0: Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Would you open your Bibles to two places? Luke's gospel. Uh, We'll look at the traditional Christmas story. And Isaiah chapter 9. Luke chapter 2 and Isaiah chapter 9. Today is a day we commemorate the birth of Jesus Christ. And I love Christmas. I'm sure you do as well in many ways. It just seems to be a general happiness around yeah there's all kinds of resistance and challenges and we we understand that but man people are generally happier more encouraged more willing to help and give encouragement and gifts and it's beautiful and where mark we have the christmas story marked by luke beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2 where it says it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from caesar augustus that all the world should be registered The census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary as betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in that same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy.' which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was... When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which they were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen as it was told to them. Now come back to Isaiah chapter nine with me. Isaiah is prophesying, speaking to the nation of Judah in a very challenging, difficult time in their life, and he's preaching a message of hope, uh, a message that, that is intended to cause them to trust in the Lord. And in verse 6, it speaks of, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, and Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I love verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, for the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And we gather together in worshiping and remembering the birth of Jesus, just bringing it to the forefront of our minds in a very busy season, and it's encouraging. I'm especially gripped with, as we looked at yesterday, but today I'm especially gripped at his name will be called the Prince of Peace. And how important it is for us to enjoy the peace of God. How important it is for us to have peace with God. You know, you'll never experience the peace of God, a true settled contentment, until you experience peace with God. Until you come to the place that the Christmas story is not just simply a neat little story about a baby and about God and about the church and religion, but rather it's a true story of God loving you so much that he would send his only begotten son to die on your behalf. And it's beautiful that it starts out with a baby, but that baby came to bring you peace. I'm reminded of the promise that we have in the Bible to be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we're to make our request be made known to God. And you know, the Bible promises that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will then guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And there's a peace that's available to you today by faith. And I think that there's a sense where when we get caught up in the holidays, that we get caught up in a sense of peace and joy. We see people happy and we become happy with them. Or we see someone sad and we want to come alongside and encourage them. And so here you are today, reorienting your week as we do week after week and month after month, worshiping Jesus, singing songs that are festive and encouraging, and you're starting to sense there's a general happiness among us. But the real question is why? Why are we happy? Why are the followers of Jesus, why are they able to not only have joy, but a real happiness? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 144, the Bible says, happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And in the midst of everything that's going on, not only are we asking why, why are we happy, but we also have to ask the question, why was Jesus born? Why was he born? I mean, why does it become such a big deal? Why do countries and people around the world celebrate the same day, the same event? And I know there are a lot of why questions even in the room today, listening on the radio or watching online, as if you were in the room with us right now. I mean, a lot of why questions. Why the pain? Why the suffering in the world? There are even a few if questions, you know, if God and then, why doesn't he do this? And if God, why isn't he doing that? And there's so many questions. Some can be answered and some, well, they're not so easy to answer. But I do know this. We can answer the question, why did Jesus come? Why was he born? And I want to give you a couple of things to consider as you head out this afternoon. Why was Jesus born and why do we celebrate his birth? Number one, Jesus was born to seek and to save the lost. So Christmas time should awaken us, awaken in us an awareness of the lostness of men and women apart from God. There is a true lostness. And the reason why there is a lostness is because of sin. Sin is a reality, an independent factual truth that really isn't dependent upon whether you believe it or not. Sin has wrecked life after life after life. And the main issue that sin attacks, listen, is relationship. Sin brings distance. Sin, I know it's not a popular word today, but the word literally means, in the original language, it literally means to miss the mark. It was used of an archer that would take the bow and arrow in hand and pull it back and shoot at the target. And if they were to miss the target, that would be referred to as a sin in the original Greek language, what the Bible was written in the New Testament, to miss the mark. Now, now, when we look at our own lives, we tend to measure our own lives like, you know, I'm not that bad. And we almost always find someone that's like a million times worse than us to make that point. So, you know, I might be, I may not be perfect, but I'm not like so-and-so. And you would be true. We're all glad you're not like so-and-so. You're right. But the reality still stands that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. There isn't one among us that's innocent. Now, sin may be a heavy word for you to use, so I always suggest to start out with an easier word. And as you examine your life, I'm sure that you could come to the conclusion, and if not you, someone close to you would help you come to this conclusion, that in the entirety of your life, you've made mistakes. I mean, certainly, you've made mistakes. Not, none of us really, I mean, I really haven't met anybody that really believed that they were uh, perfect, although, you know, kind of perfect, but they always were, admit that they did some wrong thing sometime in their life. I mean, our life is filled with mistakes. And it's very easy for us to admit that. I mean, it's very easiest for us to say, yeah, I've done that, and yeah, I blew it over there, and I had a bad day, and we have a lot of ways to express that. Now, sin is more than a mistake, although it is a mistake. Sin is much more. Sin is a willful act against a holy and righteous God. And we must do something about it. There isn't, we can't just ignore these issues in our lives. Jesus came to seek you out. That little baby was born to find you. And there's episode after episode after episode in the Bible of him doing just that. If you have a Bible and you want to turn it with me, turn over to Luke's gospel again, way back from chapter 2 to go to chapter 19. And I want to introduce you to a man by the name of Zacchaeus. A man, a real man that met Jesus because Jesus sought him out. Jesus was born to seek and to save the lost. And so before you put the category of lost people as someone else, I want you to consider yourself today, even in the life of Zacchaeus, What a hopeless condition sin has left us in. It destroys us from the inside out. And for some of you in your resistance, you're so far from God. And I think sometimes you get so far from God that you would readily admit it. And so we have the privilege of re-inviting you to consider the claims of Jesus. Notice what he does here in chapter 19 Jesus entered, it says in verse 1, and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore full fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he also is a son of Abraham. And here's the key. The son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was known as a sinner. And although the text doesn't say, I'm sure if you asked him, he would admit it. His job was a tax collector, which basically made him an employee of the Roman government. And he was viewed not only as a thief, but also as a traitor so he resolved to live his life as the tax collector, living his life separate from all the religious system of the day and just settle in as a sinner. But something about Jesus was intriguing to him and he wanted to meet him and talk to him. And so Zacchaeus, he went up into a tree to see so he could get a better view. But really, this is a true story, not of Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus, but of Jesus wanting to find Zacchaeus. And he came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus knows he's a sinful man. And that's exactly why he came. They're asking him, doesn't he know he's a sinner? And the answer is yes. Of course he knows. He came to save sinners. And you know, one of the easiest times for us to forget of the love of Jesus is in a busy time like this. So much is going on and we got so many places to go and so many places to visit and so many traditions to uphold and, and we've, we forget the real reason of why we worship to begin with. Everything changes, everything changes when you invite Jesus into your home, and into your family, into your singleness, and into your marriage. You know, Jesus came to seek you out, and he has found you. This Christmas can be more about his presence in your life than the presence that we share with one another. The greatest moments of the holidays aren't really the ones we build up in our minds or the nostalgia we have, but rather the in-between moments. The times even now, today, as you recalibrate your life and set the stage for the rest of the day and even the rest of the week. Why did Jesus come? Number one, seek and save the lost. People like Zacchaeus, people like me and you. Number two, Jesus was born, and this is amazing, so that we might become friends with God friends with God. You know, we gather together on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday as a church to study the Bible and worship, but we also gather on Wednesdays and gather together. We're studying in the book of Genesis right now the origins of everything from God, starting in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, and we worked our way. I think we're in chapter 21 by now. But one of the people we're studying right now is Abraham, and he's literally known for many, many things in his life. Like He is a man to follow and to study. He's known as the father of faith, and that's wonderful. But he's also known, and this is amazing. I mean, you just think about it. We take it for granted, but Abraham is known as the friend of God. See, that separation that sin brings is bridged through the birth of Jesus Christ, and Jesus came so that you and I can become friends with God. Friends with the almighty creator of the universe, desires relationship with you and with me now here's the other side of this everyone living today separate from God the Bible declares an enemy of God actually even uses the word enmity with God now I know you look at your life right now you go I don't have anything against God I'm not his enemy I'm not fighting against him But I think a careful examination of your life would find many ways your life fights against God's will and desire for you. If you're not a friend of God today through Jesus Christ, then the Bible declares you at enmity with God. And it's really not a place any of us want to be. You go, come on, Pastor, you're laying on a little thick. I'm not. It's a simple truth of the Bible. You know, one of the reasons why the Bible is not read today is because when you open it up, it's like a mirror. Actually, the Bible describes itself like a mirror. And so you're reading it and you go, oh, oh, that sounds like me, or that looks like me, both on the positive side, but also on the negative side. And the Bible, opening it up, reading that you're at enmity with God, you have to come to terms with where are you in your relationship with God? Because Jesus Christ was born, the end goal is for you to be a friend of God, to be in relationship with him, surrender to him, not not only sharing the gospel through your lives, but literally living the life-giving gospel, the good news that your sins can be forgiven and the shame and guilt can be wiped away. I love this. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. The Bible says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So here in Romans chapter 5, those are the two options. If God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us while we were enemies, well, listen, now in this new relationship, God has made us friends. And to me, that's just amazing. The birth of Jesus Christ Well, it led to the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And he's alive today inviting you into relationship. But you have to come to terms with the reality of your life. You you can walk in and out of these doors and never have life change. Or you can walk in the doors of this building, watch online and listening from afar. And when you turn away from your sins and repent and receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ through his shed blood, your life can be radically transformed. I mean, imagine that. You walk in an enemy of God, you leave a friend. (laughs) That's the promise that's given to you. Why was Jesus born? Well, not only to seek and to save the lost and to make us friends with God, but thirdly, Jesus was born to give us life in its fullness. Because everyone suffers in the world. There isn't a person on the planet Earth that has escaped some sort of suffering. Followers of God suffer, enemies of God suffer, everybody suffers. But only those in relationship with Jesus suffer with a purpose and with hope that there's more to this life than just this life. We looked at it a little bit yesterday when we studied Isaiah 9 and we were looking at all of the attributes. That a name means with jesus and remember his name will be called wonderful and wonderful speaks of the fullness of life remember we looked at a time where jesus was talking about the devil and he called him a thief and and had this great contrast where where jesus is there teaching he just says you know what guy The, the the thief he hasn't come except to kill steal and destroy and certainly many of us have experienced exactly the thievery and the lies and the destruction of the devil in our own lives and in our families' lives, stealing joy and peace and harmony and so much more. But in contrast to the devil, Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundant, a fullness of life. A life in its fullness. You know, those that are dedicated to medical science, many of you in the scientific field, you have dedicated your life to adding years to life. And we're grateful for that. All these medical breakthroughs and medications and things. We are so grateful for those in the scientific field that spend all, every waking moment wanting, wanting to add years to life. But Jesus does something that the medical community and the scientific community cannot do. While the scientific community, they add years to life, only Jesus can add life to your years and give fullness to who you are and purpose and direction. Jesus is indeed the Savior, as we read in Luke chapter 2. And by definition, a Savior is someone who rescues, someone who saves, someone who redeems, who preserves and protects. And Jesus is ready to save you today. And maybe even invite you, you know, in a time like, you know, Christmas and Easter, we have very strong messages about salvation and about forgiveness. But we as followers of Christ, we can't just quickly dismiss that. It's important that you examine your life. Where are you today? Where have you been? And listen, where do you want to go? Where is it that God is leading you that he may in this time call you back to the fullness of a commitment and following him. Like like you were one place, but now where are you today? And how did you get there? You know, people that wander away and wander off, it it doesn't happen overnight. It it doesn't just like, oh man, how do we get so lost? It's one step after another in the opposite direction. And you know what? God is ready to receive you as well. In the days in which we live, so tumultuous and trying and challenging it's it's generationally the most difficult part it is the most difficult season in this generation and the question that we've been asking in our church for the last year or so is what kind of church are we going to be what type of followers of christ is he calling us to in the days in which we live what will make the most impact for the gospel in personal lives connecting people with people, being a tangible touch of the love of God. And so before we go out, for those of you who are visiting or watching or even here downstairs in the overflow, you may not have this relationship with Jesus today. And you find yourself in a position of isolation. You know, in the holidays, loneliness and sadness, depression rates go through the roof. But as we sing, let every heart prepare him room. You need to make room for Jesus in your life. And it's not just kind of a little compartment where you have the idea, well, you know, I'll, I'm here. You know, I'm here. I'm in church. That's the room I'm making. But rather, a surrendered life following him. Listen, you can believe in Jesus right now. I and mean, maybe the reality of the forgiveness for your own life. The example you leave for your kids, your grandchildren. The days in which you live have stirred you up. But now what God is stirring up is for you to become committed to Him, following and serving Him. And God is knocking on your heart right now, the door of your heart, asking for a response. And I know we live in a country where this message is common. It's pretty much a weekly exhortation or a weekly stirring even in this church talking about the faithfulness of god a call to follow him a call to repentance and salvation we're blessed to hear this over and over again it's everywhere it's on youtube on television on radio the gospel the good news goes out over and over and over again but the real question is why do you still resist if you've heard it before and it's common, and you kind of even anticipated it. It's going, okay, I'll, I'll be in church, and I, I already know when I'm going to hear. Well, if you already know, then why do you keep resisting? If you're already in a place where God has brought you right to the edge, then why don't you surrender? When well, you know that God loves you and that it's demonstrated. Like, there is a, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we are still yet sinners, Christ died for us. We look to the cross and the faithfulness of God. Make today the day of least resistance. God has a gift for you if you're ready to receive it. That sweet little baby who was born in a manger grew up to be a man. He was torturously and viciously murdered for his loving life, taken down off a Roman cross and thrown into an empty cave, burial site. Stone rolled over and everyone got back to life went back to what they were normally doing. You know, not only did Jesus die and was buried, but he was abandoned by the people that loved him the most. They were confused. It was a very disorienting time. But three days later, the Bible says that Jesus rose again from the dead and began to set things in order, especially to those that were closest to him, whom he love very much. Jesus is inviting you to admit your lostness today. Jesus is inviting you to recognize the reality of his gift of salvation. He, he's inviting you to receive him personally, to become a friend of God, to enjoy life in its fullness, no matter what you're facing today. And there's a lot going on, you know. I know you know that. Stories that just come through this small church of the pain and the hardship that's carried by so many of you. I mean, we just pray. I prayed multiple times today that the God of all comfort would comfort you. That he would encourage you. Because he indeed is the God of all comfort. And you will make it through. Day by day, step by step. But apart from Jesus, it's only going to get harder and more challenging. Not only now, but for eternity. Listen. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Bible says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, one more thing. You don't get the vantage point that I get when I stand behind the pulpit because I stand behind it and you sit down there. But on the pulpit here in the corner, I have written, I had it typed up and, and uh, taped here. So whether I'm standing here or another pastor standing here, or someone's giving a testimony here, they'll see this right here in the corner. It's not covered up. It's always staring me in the face whenever I stand in the pulpit because this is the reason why we're here anytime we stand in the pulpit. I have it there, so if I quote it, uh, and I misquote it, I can always have it and read it specifically from the Bible. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's right here. And it's the message continually reminding us that that is the purpose of our gathering. You're in a room with people that love God and worship Him, and we enjoy Him, and we have all kinds of things going on in our life and all kinds of difficulties, and all kinds of bad decisions. I mean, it's a room filled with normal people. But I'll tell you this, we also have a deep desire, deep, deep, deep desire, to see your life transformed. Because each of us can say the same thing. God entered, changed our life forever. Jesus talked about it being born again. I mean, it's like that. It's like a brand new life. Even as an adult, a brand new life through the forgiveness of your sins. So I invite you, to make that decision today. Father, we pray as we head out of here into the rest of our day and week, we're so grateful that you've given us the privilege to gather, that we can worship you and truly, to whatever degree you're working in us, Lord, we want to be more usable for you and just acknowledge that we love you. We don't have it all together. There's so much happening. The devil's trying to rip us off and we're making bad decisions and we're just... Lord, asking for more of your grace and your love and your mercy in our lives. But I know in the heart of hearts of the men and women that are here that know you, I know deep down we're it's like, man, we want to follow you, Lord. You are everything to us. And we're so grateful you interrupted our lives. You sought us out, found us, made us a friend of God that we might live life in its fullness. And we just say thank you, Lord, today. As we think of your birth, what an amazing thing it would have been. Oh, just so good. And today, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to do just that. So if today you'd say, Ed, Pastor, I want to follow God. Would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. That you want your sins forgiven. I want to invite you publicly to confess your sins to express the belief that's in your heart. And let's just follow Jesus here on this Christmas day. I mean, what a day, talking about gifts, to receive the gift of salvation, both near and far. You guys that are listening live on Grace FM, what a privilege that we're right with you in your car, or in your hospital room, or even in that prison cell. We're grateful to be with you. Or watching online on your phone or tablet that you would enter into the family of God on Christmas Day 2022. What a privilege. And so for those of us that are right here in front of me, if that's you today, I invite you, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Express your faith and belief in Him today. Turn away from your sinful past. God bless you. And turn to following Him today. Join the family of God. (laughs) Become a friend of God. And allow his work to begin. And so, those that responded near and far, let me help you do what I said here in the Bible. Confess with your mouth. God bless you. I see you as well. Even the ones I don't see, bless you. Be encouraged. So I want to help you talk to God. So you can confess with your mouth. And you could repeat after me something like this. You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me. And I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I turn away from my sinful past. And I choose to follow you. And Father, I know that anyone, anywhere that would draw near to you, you say you draw near to them. And from the lips of those, maybe inside their even minds, and inside like silent prayer, what? God, you know the hearts of men and women and those that were touched to turn to you today, both those that we see and those that we don't. May you receive their prayer, God, and answer it according to your will. And I pray, God, even today for those that have been wandering, just kind of been out and about, those that have been away, those that have been struggling, God, I pray for the widows and the widowers in our church, both new and also those that have been grieving for a while. Lord, it's been a year of great gains, but it's also been a year of great loss. And on this final Sunday service of the year, God, may you pour out your spirit on us. And would you show mercy to our church, God? Would you show mercy in not giving us what we deserve, but continuing to be gracious with us? That we might enjoy your forgiveness. That we would be less. Like God, you would increase and really we would believe it. We would decrease. That you might consume us in new and fresh ways. That we might live truly a life of fullness in you. Which means some things in our lives just got to go. Changes need to be made. But I love what your word says. It says um, that you, bo- you work in us both to will and to do. So thank you, God, for both giving us the desires to follow you, but also the power to do it. So bless us, Lord. We pray for your blessings. Not for our own consumption, God, but that in the blessing, we might be a blessing to others. Thank you, God, for the privilege of knowing you and serving you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.